This is Creepy and Geeky. Hey, all you creeps and geeks. I'm your host, Robert, and today's episode concludes the Friday the 13th series of episodes with Freddy vs. Jason and the Friday the 13th reboot. Joining me today is no stranger to the show. Kat Hughes is a film journalist who primarily writes for The Hollywood News, and she's a repeat guest. Welcome to the show, Kat. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's always good having you on. Uh, we, we tend to have a good time. You are... Joining me, like I said, for the conclusion, the last two movies so far uh, of of the Friday the 13th series. Uh, one is kind of a um, kind of a epilogue of sorts uh, to the original series. And the other one is, of course, uh, the reboot. So let's jump uh, right into uh, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, go ahead and hit me with some of your thoughts on that. one. So Freddy versus Jason it came out when I was in college and I definitely remember going to see it at the at the cinema I mean it's this is a film that was decades in development you know fans oh, were yeah. clamoring for this from like the 80s and then it took to like 2003 before it saw the light of day you know two of horrors biggest monsters going head to head it was something that everybody was excited for and I remember being one of those one of those people and i think that maybe i'm in the minority of people that i don't quite enjoy this film it's <laughs> i've watched it a fair few times it's it's quite harmless it's that early 2000s sort of horror yeah. that you know it's very glossy and stylized and has a lot of you know rock music on the soundtrack and it kind of <laughs> It takes, like I say, it takes me back to to when I was at college, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I'm I'm in the same camp. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's a fun movie. Uh, as somebody who grew up in the '80s and who you know was exposed to uh, both of these uh, juggernauts of horror, uh, Freddie and Jason, that it's one of those things where everybody. I mean, we always were like, uh, as kids, you're like, oh my god, that would be the coolest thing ever to to see Freddy versus Jason or you know Freddy versus Michael or you know whoever and you know it's it's one of those things that um especially with Freddy versus Jason because um uh, like you know Halloween had its Halloween kind of was like this early 80s thing and then it had this like because I think the last time we saw Michael Myers was in 81 and we didn't see him again until 88 um and so most of the 80s wasn't michael's you know reign that was like mostly jason and then towards the latter half we got freddie and freddie became this huge icon of horror and so just being able to see them finally finally get it on screen was like it's so i equate it kind of like for me um i'm a huge uh, marvel comic book fan 
And so I've grown up with all the comic books my whole life and getting to see them do the stuff that they've been doing in the MCU with the crossing over and everything else has just been like this geeky dream come true. Uh, and Freddy versus Jason kind of sits in that same kind of geeky wheelhouse. So. Yeah. And I think it does a decent job with both of the characters because you have got all of this legacy and mythos of countless films in both franchises that have preceded and also you've got to have your you've got to have your victims and it's that balancing act of making sure that that everybody has their moments and I think that the the writers and the director did a really nice job at balancing that I mean it opens with like Freddie's greatest hits and I think it's a really nifty way of introducing jason and how he's going to use jason uh, you know this is almost like film noir narration over the start of it where <laughs> fred is like i needed somebody you know to you know i needed a special adversary to to do my bidding to to help me and it's a really nice way of quickly explaining what freddie's plan is and i also just I like how after all these films, the parents of the parents of Elm Street were just like, we've got to do something. And it's like, shall we just like drug the kids so that they don't remember him anymore? <laughs> yeah, all right. You know, I, I, I kind of like that because it's what would you do to protect your children? And there's some very questionable yeah. things that these parents are doing, but they are doing it for the for the greater good. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's 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 really cool that they did a a great job at for me anyway, at kind of condensing the storylines of both Freddie and Jason and giving it to like because you both of them, the last um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie that had come out prior to this was 94 and um, the last uh, Jason movie prior to this had been, I think, 93 three with jason x um i can't remember the date but i think that's the year that that one came out but um you know so it had been you know a decade or close to a decade for both of these characters so it was a nice little refresher to kind of you know and and also to give new uh watchers a a little bit of their backstory without being too um heavy with it and so i like that aspect of it and then just jumping right into it with a new story and still kind of touching on some stuff because that the drug that you mentioned is a drug from um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. It's the drug mm. that Nancy's taking to stop herself from having dreams. So it's these nice little things that they keep continuing on that, you know, play into all of this. So. Yeah. And like you say, it is that. I watched it when I was at college. I had seen some of the existing films in the franchises, not necessarily all of them, but there were people who were going to it and this was their first Freddy or their first Jason film. And it does, it presents enough information for them to not get lost whilst at the same time kind of maybe piquing their interest into being like, well, I want to see, you know, what this what this guy's about. I'm going to go and check out the other films and see how they got to you know, how they got to hell. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, it's, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, it's, it's 
they they say that you know jason's in hell and that follows up on the jason goes to hell movie and you know completely disregards jason x which you know is set in the future which makes sense um you know for the most part but i feel like even then i feel like for the most part what these movie this movie what this movie does is it kind of disregards even jason goes to hell sure it says he's in hell but you know it kind of more is about what happened in the in the first eight um and and more to that point more of the beginning stuff it doesn't really that that's the nice thing it doesn't go deep into jason's like full you know history because it doesn't need to same with freddy it just jumps right in gives you the basic info and just keeps you going so and uh it doesn't bog you down with all that extra stuff yeah and i mean let's face it of 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 the two series it's uh friday the 13th that went in some weird directions so <laughs> you know is it there's yeah. what there's one of them where like the autopsy the guy doing the autopsy like eats his heart or something and then he becomes jason yeah and so that's yeah the kind of streamlining it down to he died at crystal lake he was bullied his mother died you know it's they're the headlines that's that's kind of all you need you don't need this this other stuff until you you know you venture down that that rabbit hole yourself yeah definitely and it's 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 a fun movie it's just you know the kills are fun you know it's it feels sure it's obviously an early 2000s movie you get you know these early 2000s actors and everything which is which is again a nice thing because you get to see um Gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Um, Catherine Isabel. Yeah. Um, who's kind of made uh, a, a little career for herself around that time of being a, you know, a, a new horror queen, uh, being in Ginger Snaps and this and, um, oh, what's the other thing I'm thinking of? Oh, uh, Bones, um, that kind of stuff around that same time period. So it's nice to see some, some, some new horror people uh coming up uh that'll make a big splash uh during that era yeah i mean i find the the cast really really interesting because when you watch it back there's a lot of familiar faces there's not necessarily a a johnny depp in in amongst them but Mm -hmm. most people you recognize from from other things um i mean brendan fletcher who plays mark he is a is Canadian actor that pops up in a lot of stuff. Uh, he was in Supernatural. He was one of uh, Azazel's children in Supernatural. Uh, mm. He was most recently in Violent Night, where he played uh, Krampus, one of the uh, the one of the bad guys. Oh. And yeah, I was like Brendan Fletcher, and everyone else around was like, "Shh, sorry, but it's like it's <laughs> the dude from Freddy versus Jason." That's funny. And... I didn't catch that. Yeah, and then you've got um, Jason Ritter, who yes. obviously like went on to be in some um, popular TV se- series. I think he's going to be in the new series of Yellow Jackets with his wife, mm, and okay. um, Lachlan Monroe. Uh, yes, obviously one of one third of Destiny's Child, and <laughs> yeah. even sort of like sort of like your more side characters like Linderman, um, played by uh, Christopher Marquette. He yeah. will be known to people from that era as being one of the uh, the three legs of the tripod in the girl next door. There was just sort of so <laughs> many, so many faces that for me, even back then watching it as a teenager, there were so many familiar faces, and it's nice that they've all sort of continued to have careers. Not so much Monica Kina, 
but yeah, my, she was she was a draw for me to go and watch the film because I was a big Dawson's Creek fan, and Abby Morgan was after like the main character of like Jen. She was like my next favorite character. I'll never sort of forgive <laughs> the show for what they did to her in in the second series because I think she was a really interesting character. So to sort of see her get to to play the lead here was was really exciting for me when I when I first watched it. That's funny. Yeah, I I was not. I don't think I was super familiar with her work. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Dawson's Creek. I think I watched like the first season of it because, of course, Kevin Williamson. Uh, writing on it was a big draw uh but i i didn't get into it uh super a lot because i was already an adult by then and it wasn't really hitting my demographic (laughs) no one needs uh, to be reminded of those angsty teen years you know (laughs) uh but yeah no it's a but yeah no i think she does i think she does a, a a really good job i saw a um i think it was a what culture video recently and uh they were um, they were giving her shit. Um, basically, it was like talking about like um, horror movies with terrible final girls. Um, and I didn't think she was that bad at all. Like, you know, she's not, I'll, I'll agree. She's not super memorable in the, you know, in the great pantheon of uh, final girls, but she wasn't terrible. Um, so I just, I, it's so weird. Sometimes these videos that you, that you watch online that are just like just tear things down for no reason just to be kind of just i don't know shitty so <laughs> i mean she's basically there to provide you know a victim for freddie and then right. you know, the exposition about jason and what they're going to do she's not the traditional final girl per se you know she's no no one's there for the final girl in this film they are there to watch freddie yeah. and jason fight um, well, and I even just, then, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it's it's just a massive shame that the, that line from the trailer, you know, Freddy versus Jason, place your bets. That that was never used in the final cut because maybe people would feel differently about her character if uh, she'd had a chance to say that. Yeah, yeah. There's always it's it's interesting. It's always weird the the like the lines that get cut that were in the trailer that are really cool. And then you get to the movie and they cut that line for some weird reason. You're like, but that was the cool line. Where is that cool line? Um, and speaking of Violent Night, they did that same thing. There's a line in the trailer for Violent Night um, that uh, where where David Harbour as Santa Claus says, uh, it's time for some season's beatings or whatever. And it's not in the movie. And I was really disappointed. So, <laughs> but yeah. As for her being a, a a good final girl and and the, and the motivations for uh, Freddie and Jason stuff, they you know Freddie's just there to stir up fear of himself, you know, get his name back uh, on the on the lips of the of the children of Elm Street, and you know it it's not really about you know necessarily going after her uh, specifically like it like it has been for him for you know many of the other children that he's uh, gone after. Yeah, there's definitely, he just wants any victim that he can get. And she's kind of one of the first to start believing him in again. Because to say that the police are 
you know, it's this big secret and, and at one point they they tell uh, Lachlan Monroe's character like we don't say his name well you do because that's how like she finds out about him at the beginning because yeah. she sees you having a little chat outside a house saying oh it was Kruger yeah so you know you have to question the police force were better <laughs> there would have been no Freddy versus versus Jason yeah yeah no yeah that one that one dumb cop who said it you know it was like oh my god is it, these are all the same things going on it's the same damn house uh you know yeah if they had uh if that, if that one guy had just not said it then you know freddie would not have wormed his way back in um not not as easily i guess uh but i think that yeah it it would have eventually happened somebody would have said it and they would have heard it so it's kind of hard to keep something like, especially because, you know, with the time frame, with the, what they say was that it's only been like four years uh, yeah. since anything's happened. And four years is not really enough time to suppress that kind of information in my mind. Um, even in the early 2000s, you know, where the Internet wasn't as you know good as it is now in uh, availability of information. But I still think that uh, it, 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 Freddie still would have been talked about. So it's a, it's a little, little weird, uh, time, time wise. But uh, you know, but overall, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think they, like we said, I think they do a really good job at putting, putting the characters together, giving, giving them a way to, uh, uh get them together in the first place and uh getting them to fight uh it's not just some stupid you know mistake or anything else and it makes sense freddie would you know manipulate jason to do his bidding and and everything so it, it it especially when you hear you know how often they had tried in the past because they have been trying since the 80s to you know make it work and just anything else they had tried before just was not working. And I, um, to be fair, I've not looked at or heard about any scripts um, like, and what the storylines could have been, potentially been before this one and whether or not they might possibly have been good. Uh, but this seems like the best option uh, to, to get them together in my mind. Yeah. I know that I think one of the original versions was they were both in hell and they're both basically assassins for hell and the devil kind of calls them both in and is like i will let one of you i'm going to send you both up and whoever brings me the most souls like gets their freedom back sort of thing so it was Mm. that was one of the one of the original ideas but that kind of feels like two separate it's, it's gonna be yeah. Freddy attacking people in the and then they I feel this is a, a more cohesive way of, of bringing them together and I also thought it was quite interesting how they almost try to make Jason the sympathetic character you know they really lay on almost like that he's this poor innocent child in a way right these teenagers have got to pick, they've got to pick a side and it's, you know, child murderer or murdered child. And I think that <laughs> the film really does sort of lay it on thick with like, oh, poor Jason. And I thought it was a very interesting move to make considering how 
recklessly he has mutilated various people throughout his yeah. his career yeah his uh his uh he's he's not he's not just a poor uh poor murdered child who uh who who came back uh, for sure uh, especially uh for myself having recently watched all of these movies uh yeah that's not really his uh <laughs> his backstory so much yes sure he he was you know hurt and and everything but uh you know there's there's a lot more rage behind everything so um i did read something that said that uh one of the potential backstory things that they were going to do with this script was um that uh there was the potential that Freddie was actually Jason's father, um, <laughs> which would have been uh, some kind of in for him uh, in that way. Uh, and I just was like, ah, that would have that would have just made things a little too weird and convoluted. Yeah, that kind of leads you down that like Batman versus Superman, like my mother's called Martha too, doesn't it? It's yeah. it's that kind of yeah. And it just it's just weird. It's like, well, then why would they have motivation to fight? They'd just be like, oh, okay, you know, it's just this father son reunion. <laughs> yeah, it just uh, it did not make sense to me at all. But I did like I, I think that you know, like going back to the uh, the hypnosil type thing, I think that's an interesting plot point that they were you know using this medicine that you know had been uh, uh, introduced into the Friday the Third or into the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, with Nancy in uh, number three and that they had continued it. And it was the same, I guess the same hospital um, from number three as well. And so it's interesting to see them pull all this through. This really feels like in a lot of ways, it feels really a lot more like a continuation of the nightmare and Elm street series with just throwing in Jason. Yeah. I agree. Anything else. So yeah, it definitely feels stronger. And I guess for me, maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much when I first watched it, because I had definitely seen more Nightmare on Elm Streets than I had Friday the 13th at the at that point in time. So I quite right. liked that sort of continuation of Freddy's story and like you said, the the links back with the hospital and the drugs and things and the house. You know, it's it's all quite subtle again if you're new to the story it doesn't make a bit of difference but if you sat there for however many films there's something for you to pull out and be like oh that's cool oh yeah and that i remember this i remember that person right yeah no and it's 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 cool in that way i like you know and i know that because it came out through new line um and new line had um had gotten the rights to uh, Jason after uh, number eight that, you know, I'm, and, and new line is, you know, always it's, it's been co- called uh, the house that Freddie built. So of course, Freddie's going to be the main like new character in a lot of ways in this. Uh, they're just going to continue his storyline because that's for them, you know, and then technically he gets top billing. It's Freddie versus Jason. Yeah. So it's interesting to look at that now um, and, and something I didn't I didn't think about um, on earlier watches on how much this is clearly a continuation more of his story. And, you know, Jason's just being used and, you know, it's I mean, obviously Jason's being used, but just for even for the, the purposes of the story, they're just 
taking it and making a a new continuation on the on the Freddy mythos. So yeah, and I like um, how they they work in sort of the different Freddies because obviously Freddy began as this quite terrifying character. He was always quite chatty with his victims and right. was you know quite you know, he would tease them in a really malevolent way but obviously as we know as the, as those films went on he became more of a caricature and i liked how the the deaths in in freddy versus jason there was sort of one that was a bit more fun you know the whole one with the with the stoner guy where he appears yeah. as this like strange like worm creature but then you've also got the the one with uh, katie isabel where it's sort of back to the original Nightmare on Elm Street, where she's you know being tormented as she's walking around this never-ending, yeah. never-ending locker room. Yeah, no, it was, it was. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's. It was interesting to see kind of different facets of, uh, Freddie. You know, you got him very scary. You got him being very silly. You know, in the fight between him and Jason, and he's you know, acting like he's playing pinball. And, you know, so you're getting these different facets of the character. Um, and that's a good point because I didn't even think about that uh, until you just said it. Um, but that's, uh, you know, especially for people who complain about how Freddie did, uh, at, you know, over the time uh, become very watered down and very much a caricature of who he was, you know, a a, a due to his popularity i think that's what watered him down in a lot of ways um, and uh i think that's you know, again that that brings that that's that's what's fun about freddy versus jason it's interesting to see when people talk about it and don't and they don't like it um you know it's they 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 find that the movie's very silly in a lot of ways but it is i i feel like there are a lot of really good um horror moments and you know upon watching uh, the you know the entirety of the Friday the Thirteenth series recently that you know the the kills are much more violent in this uh, in a lot of ways um, much more uh, gr- gruesome uh, uh, especially for some of the Friday the Thirteenth stuff um, so it's 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 interesting to see um, that to see the complaints about it, but then to go back and go, it's really not that bad. It's really fun. And, and I don't know, I, I think some, sure people can dislike something they can dislike it for whatever their reasons or whatever, but sometimes it just rings hollow to me. So. Yeah, and it does have, it does have some quite interesting little touches as well. I mean, particularly around Catherine Isabel's character of Gib, you know, she's in this, awful toxic relationship you know oh, yeah. that we've seen we've seen jocks in slasher films before and normally the the quote-unquote bimbo that they're with you know is loving it and is going along with it but this guy is toxic all he does is sort of order around and tells her not to do this and not to do that i think that's a very relatable scenario for for a lot of people unfortunately and then you also have this absolutely awful moment which to me is the scariest part of the film is she is lying there in the cornfield under attack from freddie mm-hmm. in yeah. in her mind and then there's this really creepy guy covered in glow sticks that sort of sees her and is like ah unconscious girl and he 
he starts to do the the unthinkable before then hero jason in this instance comes in just you know spears him spears him away i think there's you know there's some you don't necessarily expect to see that in a film like this you like your characters to be the tropey jock bimbo brain yeah but there is particularly with this character there's a a strange amount of, of complexity within it yeah yeah no yeah that's and that's that the the filmmakers going for that as well was interesting too because yeah I, I i when watching it this time it's something i guess i didn't really catch before um i mean you catch it and you understand what's what's happening yeah. but it's i guess that it's one of those things that you kind of just accepted along with this kind of movie back then but now in this day and age it's it's it comes on a whole different level of just ickiness that um adds that interesting layer it's you know um you know she's being attacked by freddy in the dream world and you know she's being attacked uh in you know in the in the real world as well and you know and and jason coming to not necessarily her rescue because she gets killed at the same time, but it's it's that interesting, you know. Yeah, Jason saves her in a way from the outside world uh, of violation uh, before Freddy can you know get her. Um, so it's it's very complex. Um, yeah, it's a uh, you know there's a there's a lot of layers there that you can, and and that is true. There there's a lot of layers going on to a lot of this. You know. Uh, Kelly Rowland's character is dealing with this, you know, she's not um, happy with her nose the entire time. And, and, and that, that's a interesting thing about, um, you know, the, the fixation of um, beauty culture in, in, in society of our, uh, of that time. And since, and even you know, before and since that time and just seeing that, cause you know, there was a lot of that kind of, focus on um changing your body through plastic surgery um so it's interesting to see that that uh playing a role uh in this kind of movie as well yeah it's just not stuff that that you expect or like you say necessarily remember in the first watch through but then when you kind of look at it a few years later with a with a different head it's like well actually you know that's quite an interesting thing that they sort of they placed in in there and that they put like why it could have just been showdown 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 but they did take the time with the fodder for for want of a better word to to make them a little bit richer than what we'd come to expect especially from the the friday the 13th series yeah yeah definitely yeah with the friday the 13th series especially has been um more of just trope and caricatures of you know people the final girl the you know the slutty girl the the jock the you know the the stoner all of these have always been the you know the the tropey characters and to get a little bit more nuance in something that is um inside that same franchise uh is is a little bit more fun and interesting uh than we had gotten up until this point 
Yeah, I think the only sort of negative for me in a way is through watching various documentaries is hearing about the the handling of the casting for Jason. Kane Hodder had Mm -hmm. previously played the character and had been one of the most vocal campaigners for this film to happen. And he was sort of told by the studios yeah it's going to happen you know go get your machete and then he sort of found out as it went into development like properly that he was not going to be Jason and I think that that was having watched his documentary and hearing him speak in um, Camp, Camp Crystal Lake Memories it's just kind of feels like they did him a little dirty which is, oh, yeah. is, a, is a shame yeah it's it's you know, for somebody who had played him for the previous four movies and had kind of redefined that role as his, it, yeah, it was definitely a a dirty move uh, for sure. Um, and I'm not surprised given uh, that, you know, I also read that Ronnie Yu, the director, had um, assured Catherine Isabel that she wouldn't have to do any nudity and she had put in uh, no nudity clause into her contract for the film. And as soon as they got in, uh, he started pressuring her to do that shower scene uh, that uh, they ended up, you know, finally settling on uh, using a body double for, uh, but yeah, um, he pressured her into doing that early on in the um, uh, filming and it kind of soured uh, the filming for her for the rest of it. So yeah, I was at a convention a few a few years ago that she was attending and somebody somebody asked a really inappropriate question about her being nude in that. And she was like, Well, I'm sorry, but it wasn't me. It was a body double. And you know, it even though it's not her, you know, she stuck to her guns and she didn't agree to do it. The general consensus to most people is that is her and she's still being subjected to the attention that she didn't want and therefore didn't want to do so it again it's a that's another sort of sour sour note to the production that yeah they felt that they had to have because it's just you know she could have easily been post shower and you know doing a hair in the mood she didn't i know that there's absolutely no need for that scene yeah, I know that the series, especially Friday the Thirteenth, is known for like gratuitous nudity, but it felt really gratuitous in this setting. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, for uh, again, for the most part, like you know, of the three main characters, uh, the three main girl characters, that you know, she was the only one who, um, you know, had to do that. None of the other characters, Monica Kina and, Ke- and Kelly Rowland's characters, neither one of them had to be put in that position. There was no real reason for her to be put in that position. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, you know, and I'm all for gratuitous nudity in, in these movies. And that's fine if that's, you know, you agreed on all parts. Um, exactly. It's, it's not, if you're trying to pressure somebody into doing it and, or, you know, and, and, and having to use a body double to get around that, then, you know, that's, that's just, and especially for, again, a scene that's just not necessary. There's no, there's no real reason to to have that scene in there it doesn't add anything to the the plot of the story for her to be naked in there so no no um, not at all no you know so it's just that yeah between that and the Kane Hodder stuff yeah it's a fun movie but it does have its issues um you know 
and uh, you know, mostly just on the production side of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it does make you question, you know, some of that, but, you know, overall it's a enjoyable movie um, that uh, kind of caps off um, both of their series um, in a way to kind of, kind of give them a nice send off, I think. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it's yeah, it's 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 got this, you know, big battle and stuff, and everyone's like, oh, who's going to win? And it does, it ends where Freddie fans can argue that Freddie won, and Jason fans can argue that that Jason <laughs> that Jason won. I think that was a, it was a really clever move because something like Aliens versus Predator, it's a much it's much more clear cut, which yeah. which species won. But in this, you can read it at you know, he walked the end of the film is, you know, Jason walking out with with Freddie's head. You could go, oh, well, Jason's one because look, Freddie's not got a head. But then you can also go, yeah, but Freddie's head is winking. So yeah. he's not gone yet. He can, you know, he can enter people's he can find his he can find his way out of this. I thought that was a nice way to leave it open for both of their series to to come back. And obviously they they did in in very well. I guess they came. They both decided to do the uh, the reboot route. The reboot route. Yep. Uh, and you know, let's jump right into that reboot, uh, which is interesting because both Freddy versus Jason and the reboot are written by the same people, um, but they are very different tonally and um, just in general. Um, this the reboot is more of a of an actual reboot it's kind of retells um you know the 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 overall story with some interesting quick um nods to really the first three uh original movies um yeah you know you kind of get this gloss over of the the final moments of the first movie with the battle between um um Oh, I can't remember again. Uh, Pamela's uh, Pamela Voorhees and the the counselor at the end, um, and so you get this 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 quick beat, and it kind of fills in that just that little bit of backstory. You don't need a lot, which is which is good, uh, but uh, it goes in, and it's a this is a much darker, more serious take um, on the on the franchise. What what did you think? I was working at the cinema when this one came out and I went to see this on opening day, which was a Friday the 13th in the UK. And it was in our second biggest screen and it was the middle of the day and it was like near enough sold out. So the energy was really high. And I really, I have a very soft spot in, in my heart for, for this film. Like I've seen the other Friday films, but I think for me, I just, I just like its production values because you know the first one almost feels sort of like documentary style in a way. It's very like rough in terms of its, its cinematography, but this one is it's very glossy and you know it's it's very that opening twenty minutes or whatever is a really nice uh, misdirect because like you say it is filling it it fills in the first film open over the opening credits and then you're straight into like the films two and three sort of coexisting you know you've got jason with you've got sack jason you know you get the evolution of the masks which takes takes him several films to get that hockey mask 
and they still kept that in in this reboot i think it was a really really interesting way to open it because you get invested in these characters because you think okay these are our people and then 20 25 minutes in they're all pretty much dead and then yeah. you're, you're resetting and starting again with these new characters and i think it, it was something that hadn't necessarily been done a lot at that stage yeah i think this is i think out of out of like a lot of the reboots um that we got uh during this era i think this is definitely um the the much the much better um more successful in a lot of ways um at least for me um i i enjoy it i think it's a it's a fun movie um it's it's definitely the production value they they definitely put some money into it um i there's a part of me that really wants a little bit more camp to it um that you know sometimes it takes itself a little too seriously um n- not a ton um you know cuz you know the character of trent is just horrible yeah. um so you do have you do have some fun goofy campy moments. Um, I was actually it's so funny too because upon this rewatch, I realized that uh, Ryan Hansen is in this movie. Yeah, and I I I I guess I didn't realize that before. Maybe I just didn't recognize him because I've never been. Um, Ryan Hansen's one of those um a guy uh, actors who I've come to appreciate um in recent years. Um, and uh, so it's it's one of those things that is going back and watch it now i was like oh hey um so there's there's it that's another reason why i like going back to movies like this is that you do you know recognize people um upon these rewatches that you may not have caught before um but this one this one's definitely um this one is more like what you think think friday the 13th is um there's like a lot a lot of gnarly kills there's a lot of sex and nudity um and so this is when when you think about what friday the 13th is this movie does it this movie does it right um in a lot of ways um that even the friday the 13th movies themselves didn't do as well because of a studio interference and um you know, the 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 80s being what they were, um, that they cut out a lot of the the gore and uh uh a lot of the I wouldn't even say they cut out a lot of the nudity because even in the 80s they had some. Um, but it's just interesting to go back and think, you know, because people complain about the 80s movies being so filled with gore and everything, and they were they weren't, they were really tame in comparison. And uh, n- now, especially like with this movie, this movie's pretty gnarly. Yeah, there's some really mean deaths. I mean, the the sleeping bag yeah. is is brutal. There's there's the bear trap. There's I mean, just yeah. the the viciousness of the guy who gets the axe in his back, and it's a it's a trap. It's to to lure the friends out, and the friends are like, I ain't going out there. It's there's a brutality to the fact that you know, he's left in pain to die. That's you know that's something that not many slashes have have done you know normally they would go out and try and save him and they themselves would end up dead but this one was like no we're gonna play it the other way and it's it's really me you know it's really really mean when you think about yeah. it 
Yeah, no, I agree. This this Jason is much more mean spirited, much more calculating, um, much, much more intelligent um, Jason than um, and not that Jason was ever really dumb, um, but he was focused and he he was more about just, you know, killing people left and right and didn't really calculate like uh, this one does. Um, And this one's, you know setting traps like you said and 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 doing things in a way like you know they they trip over a trap uh danielle pennebaker's character uh trips over a, like a trip wire that you know has little bells that alert him in his underground lair um and so it's it's interesting that they have this or that this jason was much more intelligent and um cunning than uh, any previous one. Yeah, and just I think there's there's 13 deaths in it, which obviously ties in nicely to to the yeah. film title. But they, I think, you sort of go through them all, and they're all they're all pretty memorable. You've got the the one with Ryan Hansen with the the speed boat yeah. with the with the bow and arrow. You know, Jason yeah. is you know a proficient arch you know proficient at archery, and then the 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 woman who he's with. You know, she's you know she's swimming, and then she kind of thinks that she's safe because she's in the water, and then she isn't. And then there's the the poor the poor girl with the uh, perfect nipple placement who yeah. <laughs> she gets smothered she gets hung on like some antlers she gets uh shot by trent through the door and then she like gets thrown out of the window onto the car so yeah. there's a lot there's a lot going on in in this and i think that's what especially more i say modern but obviously it was like 2009 but i think that's what audiences were wanting from their films because the, the particularly the first Friday the thirteenth, there wasn't as many people to to murder, so it took a while to get to them. But here you I get it, I mean the film's quite short. You know, you probably got a death like every 10, 10 minutes, if that. It really yeah. does just keep going and going and has some like unexpected deaths as well, which I thought was quite exciting at the time. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun ride. Um, it's it's definitely you know it's it's kind of the greatest hits of Jason in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, you know they're they're wanting to you know, jump people back into this series, and I I feel like it was a good, um, like I said before, I feel like it was a good uh, re- reboot, and I and I hate that. It had gotten since then. It's gotten bogged down in, in in all the legal issues that it's had. That we never got a continuation of this particular series, uh, this version of the series, because it would have been uh, fun to continue down this road and see where it went. Yeah, I agree. Because, like I said, there's it changed up things that you like. Danielle Panabaker's character, you you kind of meet her and you think, oh, final girl. You know, she's yeah. the sensible one in her partying group. You know, she doesn't she doesn't drink, she doesn't do drugs. She goes to help this man that she's just met. You know, try and find his missing sister, and she is just ungraciously thrown away. It's like as soon as yeah. Clay, as soon as Clay finds his sister, it's like oh, you can die now. And yeah. I remember being quite shocked. I kept thinking, oh, she's going to come back, or they're going to go back and rescue her. But no, she's just gone. So to <laughs> yeah. see what they to see what they would have done in 
another film when they are so flippant as to as to do that to who would normally be our final girl i think would have been a, a really interesting thing to see yeah i i think it's funny too because it's you know jared padalecki is uh uh as clay looking for his sister who was part of the party in the beginning um and we i i think it's funny too because you know you almost you know, he he gets to live. He, him and the sister get to live um, by the end of it. And it's just, you know, was that something where because Jared Padalecki was on Supernatural at the time and he was a big, big star in TV world and everything that he got to live? It was, <laughs> you know, was that the reasoning behind it? It was like, you can't kill him. Uh, he's too big of a star. Um, Maybe I just, it, I find it, I find it strange because it was, this was the same year that Jensen made yeah. the My Bloody Valentine uh, remake. And yeah. just, it is, especially at that time, it was strange to see one without the other. And when you, you've you got Clay searching for a missing family member, that's that's right what series one and two of Supernatural is is all about. So it, it was a weird, like old world Sam in a way. And then equally yeah. when I was watching my buddy Valentine and you, you see Jensen sort of getting taken over. It's like, oh, it's okay. Sam will turn up in a minute and it'll all be fine. It, it was very strange to <laughs> see both of these actors in these different properties, because at that time, especially they were so intrinsically linked to supernatural. And I think for both of them, that show almost stifled their movie career because yeah. they were so very much Sam and Dean. It's taken both of them to to finish that show to be able to move on to other properties and to be seen in in different ways. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I think that the definitely and see, so I'm I'm one of the rare people who really likes um the My Bloody Valentine uh, remake uh more than the original. Um I can appreciate the original, uh, but for some reason, it just maybe because I only saw it, uh, you know, within the last few years uh, that it just and I saw the remake uh, probably around the time that it came out. So I really like the remake and, you know, it's, you know, and I think that I like the remake because, again, it's during that, two, you know, it came out in 2009 um, and it's during that area where things were more the kills were more brutal and and everything and then going back and watching my bloody valentine the original and then seeing that and going oh these it's so tame it's such a weird yeah. story you know it's a lot goofier in, in in a lot of ways um and so you know it's it's i can i every time i've watched uh the original um you know since then uh i, I gain more appreciation for it i can see you know why people enjoy it and you know i i like it uh i just i still like the remake more <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that I was going to get on with the the Friday the Thirteenth reboot just purely because of <laughs> of of Marcus Nispel because I really enjoyed what he did with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but I kind of prefer his version, and that I think that's just because I watched it. I watched it before I watched the original, right. But when you compare the two, the 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 one with with Jessica Beale, it's just 
it's a punchier pace and there's it's, more story to it too it and it's it's more violent i remember watching the foot and hearing all this stuff and it takes a long yeah. time a lot of the deaths are not particularly you don't really see much there's implied violence and you know that obviously can can be just as much of a a, a a thing to be scared of as actually seeing it but it just kind of left me a bit underwhelmed I mean my mum was the same like my mum watched it when it first came out and obviously it was this big like video nasty thing and she sort of watched it and was like what so <laughs> I kind of shared that but when I when I saw like that version I was like, oh, this is this is mean, this is nasty, this is gory, this is, you know, this I, I like this. So when I heard that he was also doing Friday the thirteenth, it's like, well, yeah, I'll I'll watch it. And I think it does, it kind of repeats that formula that worked so well in that Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake again here. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, for me, um, I'm not a fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies at all. Um, I've watched um, several of them now um, and uh, including uh, the version uh, done by uh, Marcus Nispel that um, and even that one, it, it's, it's okay. Um, it's just not my thing. Um, I think just the overall story just doesn't grab me more than anything else, but I do um, appreciate what he brought uh, to that story and like you said you know it's it's much it's much more violent much more um gritty and raw um in, in a way that and, and glossy in a way too yeah um that um that the original just for me really doesn't pull off as well um i, I and, and, the, and it's the same thing even with the this friday the 13th uh, uh reboot is that you know, it, it condenses the story, uh, you know, of Jason down uh, to its bare bones and gives you this new version of him. Like we said, that's more calculating, more cunning um, and just and more mean uh, than, you know, the version before. The The version before is just, you know, a rage machine just going on um, pure you know, instinct um, more than anything else. And this one, he's, you know, you know, whatever his motivations are, um, that it's just, you know, it's more about just keeping people away from his area. Um, yeah. and, uh, so it's just, um, so I, I, I like what he did with this movie, with what Nispel did with this movie and kind of just takes that, that, that core essence of what Jason is and, and brings it into a, a version into the modern age um so yeah i mean i think i hope that my film taste has sort of matured i can definitely appreciate a, a slow burn these days yeah. you know but, but when i was you know late tween late teens early 20s which was when both of these films that we're talking about came out i was very much like make it glossy make it like mtv <laughs> <laughs> make it cw and i mean this reboot you can't really get more cw because it's got like half <laughs> half of the cast were either in or have gone on to be in cw shows so it was yeah. definitely at that point in my life they were definitely the sort of films that i gravitated towards and i think because i did watch them at that age they have worked their way 
into into my heart and <clears throat> this film especially is one that I can watch easily every couple of years without without just even if it's on in the background while I'm doing some writing it's I know the the plot beats and everything it's quite nice just <laughs> to to have on as, as background noise that's interesting yeah no I I I think and, you know, and like I said before, I think it's interesting that the that both of these movies were written by the same people. That one they did a version that is very much the, um, you know the the original Jason in a lot of ways, uh, and then one is this new, uh, n- more updated and, and you know and and only with a, a distance of six years from each other. The Freddy versus Jason was in two thousand three, and the reboot was in two thousand nine. So it's interesting to see their their differing versions on that, and um, you know where the, where they went um, in in deconstructing in deconstructing at both times in a lot of ways, you know, breaking it down to their their essences, um, and uh, um, seeing the differences in in what they did uh, in each movie. And it's also the seeing which bits they picked out as the fans are going to like this. So sack Jason and the acquisition of the hockey mask right. isn't too dissimilar to the original way that he, he got the mask. It's again, it's like with Freddy versus Jason with Freddy, it's peppering those things in. So if you are a fan of the franchise, it's like, Oh, well, yeah, that is just like in, film too and that's like in this one and that's like in that one I think that was a really nice way because I think Jason is a is a harder character to work that kind of stuff in than somebody like Freddy because as we discussed Freddy's stories were more of a continuation than Friday the 13th so trying to stuff in those little easter eggs must have been quite the (laughs) challenge yeah no, agreed. Yeah, I think uh, I think they do a good job. I I I, I like both of these movies. Uh, they're both uh, high up there for me uh, in the franchise, um, for the fact that they, um, that they do a good job at distilling um, what Jason is is a, as a character, um, with um, without giving him without burdening him with too much extraneous. Um, extra stuff you just you know he's the kid who drowned in the water and you know his mom had a murder spree and then he came back and continued on with that uh you know that's basically the core <laughs> yeah um and, and, and you don't need much more than that uh so uh it's nice to see them do that and do it in two different ways you know because definitely i think i think freddie versus jason is more of the crowd pleasing um fun um you know, combo movie that everybody wanted. Um, and then you get this nice, more serious take on, on the, on the mythos uh, in, in the reboot. Uh, you know, it's nice to see, and especially coming from the same writers uh, to see them take those uh, changes and, and, and twist them, you know, in the ways that they needed for both of the movies to, to get to do. And I mean, to be fair, the directors, you know, have a large part in crafting that as well, but you know, it's a, nice to see that the writers uh knew knew what jason was and and um i think they did him justice yeah he's definitely a scarier more formidable jason 
in this than yes. Freddy versus Jason. To some respects, he is kind of just a puppet in in the previous film, but in this, you know, he is he's like a train coming towards you. You know, yeah. it's you can't help but kind of feel bad for for these characters that have, have unknowingly ended up in his way because he is just this never ending machine and that always makes for for a good slasher killer is when it is unstoppable and you can look at it and go yeah yeah no i would not i would not like to be in that place (laughs) absolutely all right uh is there anything else uh uh, you want to say about either one of these movies that we didn't touch on I guess in in just uh, in the the casting, just a, a little shout out to to Aaron Aaron Yo, who was actually in both the reboot of this and in the No One Else Street remake. It's uh, oh. a nice little t- yeah. He's um, in the No One Else Street remake when Nancy she's like looking for information. He is one of the former classmates who moved away. And he's like keeping a video diary of how many days or whatever he's been awake. Um, so he pops up there, and then he's also in in this one where he gets obviously murdered by Jason. I thought it's a nice little strange link between Freddie and Freddie and Jason. <laughs> like when yeah. Street, and it's like a, almost a little triangle. Like you go out from Freddie and Jason, Freddie versus Jason, and you you hit Aaron Yo, whichever way you go. <laughs> that's very cool yeah definitely i i think i know i've seen the nightmare on elm street reboot but it's been a long time um and i'll be uh re-watching it uh for an upcoming series on uh on nightmare on elm street uh so uh that'll that'll be an interesting watch for sure i'll keep my eye out for him all right uh well let's uh let's uh let people know where they can find you uh on the internet and uh anything you happen to be working on that you want people to uh, uh, pay attention to? So I can be found on Letterboxd and Twitter at Gizmo Shikari. And should Twitter disappear, I'm also on Hive at Cat Hughes. And in terms of writing, most of my stuff is on the hollywoodnews.com. But there's also various pieces. I've just done something on Ginger Snaps for Ghouls Magazine's website, which was a lot of fun. And I actually saw in the new year having a very lovely two hour long chat with uh, Cal Gauner for an interview, which will be in a forthcoming copy of uh, Film Stories UK. Awesome. That's very cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming back on again. Uh, you are always a delight to have on. Uh, and uh, you always bring a, a lot of fun stuff uh, to talk about and to think about. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Kat for joining me. Next episode, Donna returns to celebrate Black History Month with me as we talk the original Candyman and its most recent sequel. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm GeekThulu on Twitter and geek.thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more from our Tea Public page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.